Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the Worth It podcast. Our leadership gurus, Ryan Dyer and Andy Dorsey, will talk about their tips for maximizing leadership potential, faith, and family, all while raising awareness and funds for children with hearing impairments. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Worth It. Um, today's topic is the power of perseverance and uh, just really excited uh, to have Andrew Cox with us today and we're going to dive into him and, and his role with with Wellstar and, and, and everything that he does uh, for the hospital and our community. So uh, I'd like to welcome you to the show and uh, just look forward to, to a fun afternoon. Yeah, I think, you know, we get here and Andrew's here. Andrew's the chief of staff of uh, Wellstar and a good friend of ours and, and just an awesome guy professionally, but more impressed with you as a person and, and what you do. And uh, we're, we're so glad you, you drove all the way out here to, to, to be with us today. So Andrew, we're gonna, we're gonna start off and uh, just so I know a lot of people know you in our community and being a chief of staff of Wellstar is a, is a big title, but people would never know that with you, you're so humble. And tell us a little bit about your, your beautiful family and your career, anything you wanna share with our uh, audience. Yeah, well, first of all, Andy Ryan, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and actually, Uh, My home's not too far from here, so I didn't drive too far, but uh, born and raised in Cobb County, grew up in Alstell. Actually, I started my career at Wellstar November 5th, 1980, because I was actually born at um, Cobb Hospital, so I don't get out much. Um, I stayed with the same organization. Um, Been married to my beautiful wife, Anna um, O'Neill Cox, for the past 15 years, who's an Osborne grad, so we're a rare family that we're both uh, local um, in the community, and um, we are blessed to have a, a beautiful seven-year-old son who's in second grade, um, and we have loved this community and don't ever plan on leaving. Good. Well, you know, one thing we just want to kind of dive into to Wellstar, and, um, you know, it's obviously the main hospital, main provider in our community, and, um, you know, and whether it's with a bump or a bruise or something more serious, you know, personally, I've visited you know, your facilities for, for a long time. So, um, you know, what makes the culture special at Wellstar and, and what makes it different? And, you know, and what have you guys, what have you guys done to build trust within your organization? Well, you know, uh, Wellstar means a lot to me. I started at Wellstar when I was 22 years old as a part-time landscaper when I was a college student at Southern Poly. And, um, you know, one thing that I love about our organization is the multiple opportunities to to learn and grow. Um, so working as a landscaper, but I also learned a lot too during those times of every every role is essential in an integrated health system. And during that time, we had someone come to our our department and told us that we have the most important job at Wellstar. And I mean, this is you know 22, 22 of us that cut grass, have a badge, weed eat. And so, of course, we're sitting there looking like, yeah, that's um, we're not surgeons. We're not nurses. Uh, But then this executive painted a picture if we didn't do our job and somebody pulls into Kennestone or to Cobb Hospital and the grass is five feet tall. The flowers are dead. There's trash everywhere. Um, And it was that moment where you felt empowerment and ownership and, you know, working in landscaping, being in college, not really knowing what I wanted to do from a degree standpoint. Um, that's where it hit me that I want to work in human resources. Um, and people ask me all the time, why in the world would you want to work in human resources? There's so many positive aspects of that, but I felt that every department, you could say the same thing, you know, whether it's your, you know, surgeons, your physicians, your nurses, 
um, or our staff that runs accounting that everything, everybody has an important uh, part of the, the system to care for patients and our community members. Um, we are a not-for-profit health system, you know, 11 hospitals, over 300 care sites. And as a not-for-profit health system, that means that everything we earn, we give back into our people, processes, and technologies. Um, and one thing that we had, we figured out, you know, I would say about 15 years ago, is that we had to create trust within our team members and create engagement um, to really ensure that our patients felt that at the bedside or as they come into some of our clinics. And it's not rocket science what I'm going to give you. Um, I was in HR during this time. We learned how to listen. And a lot of times in leadership, um, we get in front of our team, whether it's in the sports field or whether it's in a business environment, and we want to have the answers. I don't know if it's fueled from self-preservation, or, but we don't really do a good job at listening. And so as we surveyed our team members, we would stop and listen to say, you know, what's one thing we can do different tomorrow to make work feel better? The challenging of building trust and, and inspiring and motivating in a business environment different than on the field or on the court is that there's not a trophy at the end. You know, sports, we always look to coaches because there's a preseason, there's games, there's milestones, there's a trophy at the end. But in business, we had to kind of have to create your own trophies um, of what we're doing, what the purpose and the mission is. So um, we are on the top 100 great places to work, which is a national recognition amongst all industries. Um, but we built that by listening to our team members. Our 25,000 team members um, are dedicated and committed in the past 18 months is you know, definitely a reflection of their commitment. Um, and that trust is built by listening and also caring about our team members as a person. And I think if one thing that COVID has taught us is that our team members, including myself, we wanna be cared about as a person and our permanent titles in life, because professionally, these are all temporary titles. We will hand this title over to someone else. Our permanent titles have lasting impact um, on generations that we may never meet, you know? And so you have to recognize that, care about the person as a whole um, and it creates a, a more trusting environment. Trust also requires you extend grace. You cut people slack every once in a while that um, we are human too. And in tense situations or, you know, whether the sun's shining or it's not, we have to extend that grace. Um, I would say that is the foundation of what's built trust, but you always keep working at it too. What can we do different? Teams change, people come, people leave. But as a leader, you always have to be checking the pulse of your team. But what does it feel like to work? Because a lot of times the leaders aren't in the trenches, you know, with the frontline team members. So you have to create a safe space where it's okay to share. And, and one little, you know, I would say operational example, um, you get in front of a room of 30 people and you have survey results and say, okay, what do you want to work on? You hear crickets because that's not the most comfortable environment. So we study to find what are different ways that we can actually get people to share their opinions of here's how we can make improvements. I would say that's probably the one of the, the biggest reasons that we were able to achieve such high levels in trust, um, you know, for out the past 15 years and, and today, you know, even during a global pandemic. Well, let's talk about COVID a little bit. I know that's a big Big deal. Last 18 months, you guys have been going through and every, every, your whole world's going through it. But you guys have been battling this for a year and a half, 18 months. And, you know, you think about it, just wanted to give you a platform to give you a chance. I know you do this every day. You do it so well. 
but brag about your staff and the things they've done over time. And also a little two part to this is we're, we're talking about the power of perseverance today. What would you say about adversity and how your teams handle it and your philosophy on that? Yeah. Well, I thank you for letting me brag on the team that I'm, I'm so proud to serve every day. I have to start with our president and CEO, Candace Saunders, who um, is a, you know, a CCU nurse by trade and has led the organization um, you know, for, for so many years, but, you know, through this pandemic too, you know, a lot of our team members, it was a calling, you know, I come from a family full of teachers. My mom, you know, was a retired kindergarten teacher. And you look at these positions, I call them passion positions. You know, there's a reason, you know, many of our team members wanted to care for patients and care for the community. So for, for many, this, you know, this was their moment, you know, and, Healthcare, like, you know, our brave men and women and, you know, safety and police officers and firefighters, we, we don't close. We can't close. Um, and so this was really a calling for them to care for patients and they're dedicated and committed and just in awe every day. Um, you hear stories throughout the hospitals and what our team members are doing to go above and beyond. And I call it that discretionary effort zone that we all sign a job description when we take a position. But so many of the stories of our physicians, nurses, caregivers, team members, whether it be IT, um, you know, creating virtual videos um, for patients, they're getting in that discretionary effort zone. And, and that's a hard thing that you to hire for, but it's really creating that right environment where people feel like, OK, I will go above and beyond, um, which is, is hugely impactful. Uh, the the adversity is, I mean, we kind of dealt with what everybody else has dealt with. The, you know, the 18 months of, you know, not knowing what's coming next. Um, and I think staying grounded in our purpose and in our mission to provide world-class care for our community. Um, also, our values of, you know, striving for quality, honoring every voice um, has been the foundation. And when you look at values of an organization or a mission or purpose, those values, mission and purpose should extend and be and, you know, applicable to any situation, any scenario. So whatever the next thing is that happens, it should transcend um, whatever the case may be. And I would say that's probably been the driving force. Um, not just for Wellstar, but for all of the healthcare providers um, during this time. And you guys have done such a great job. Now I look back at my own situation with my son and how blessed we are, but you always took such good care of us there and, and made us say we had a situation today with uh, with another family member and you guys took care of them. It's just yeah. you guys are just it's such a blessing. It's never a burden to your yeah. your team always cares and they you can tell it's genuine. So that's a, that's a big kudos to you. Well, we're consumers too. I mean, you know, that's the great thing. I'm a, I'm a consumer of yep. Wellstar as well. And so it's always good when you can personalize when someone's going through where, you know, you get that call and also understanding that, you know, people are scared. And um, I call it, you know, I've told Ryan this many times is it's operational empathy. So when you're in those moments, doing the best job you can to put yourself in that person's shoes, what is it like to walk through that? You know, maybe it's that scary phone call or that, you know, having to go to the hospital, um, you know, that empathy plays a big, big role in how you care and how you just understand what somebody's going through. So last year, Andrew, you know, 
obviously COVID hit all of us and, you know, nobody could prepare for that. You know, it was a situation, obviously coming in from healthcare, you, you know, it was, it was a, a new virus that had come out. We didn't, you know, have a vaccination against it and didn't really know how to treat it. Um, you know, we felt some similar, you know, effects obviously in the educational world as, you know, we have a large number of people that come in and out of our building that we are servicing every single day. So, you know, we thought we were coming out of it, you know, mm-hmm. we, you know, uh, you know, it's, this year rolled along, it was kind of, Hey, we're, we're past this. And, you know, and, you know, the COVID's kind of in the background and, and now it's kind of reared its ugly head again. So kind of talk to us about, you know, maybe some advice that, that you would give our listeners and some encouragement as we kind of go through almost a a round two, you know, with COVID. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it, it has been challenging for all. I would say the first thing is it's highlighted the partnerships of the communities um, you know, whether it's schools or EMS or public safety. And one positive thing is highlighted of how much we rely on each other. And, and sometimes it takes adversity to understand, even in a community setting, we're a team and, and we're here to support each other and we're to, here to have each other's back. Um, from a personal standpoint, you know, I wake up every day to say, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to be where I'm at. You know, this is the moment um, that I'm supposed to be in. And what is my role? when I walk into Wellstar, when I take that phone call from a community member. Um, and that kind of perks you up a little bit to say, okay, I'm here for a reason, you know, in this moment. Um, and, and having hope of peeling back maybe the curtains of fear and anxiety and, you know, see the, the good things that may have happened, you know, maybe slowing down, maybe spending more time with your family. Because um, people have gone through some you know, some really tough times and they've had to deal with fear and anxiety at a level, you know, that we've, we've never experienced before. Um, and so that, that would be my advice, even from a leadership perspective of, you know, what am I here for? You know, what is my calling? But also you got to take care of yourself and you got to know your limits of when to slow down, when to stop, when to breathe, um, to make sure you're not doing so much at once. And, and those are lessons that I think we've all, learn as we go through this. But that would be my biggest piece of advice is to be centered, to say, okay, we're here for a reason in this moment. Um, I'm called to be in this. And and you can look at adversity as a, almost a gift to say, I can learn more during adversity when the sun's not shining than when it is. So it's all about perspective um, and how you present yourself and, and, and how you come across. And that has an impact on your team. I think that's an important, important point to look at as you go through any type of adversity, even this type of adversity where you feel like it's kind of an up and down. I mean, if you look at the the current peak we're in as we keep climbing, um, it's just good to kind of get settled and know I'm here for a reason. Yeah, it's just kind of, you know, looking for the positives and bad situations, trying to get yeah, the, uh, yeah. you know, the good things that come out of it. So that's that's great advice. What have you know? What is Wellstar? What have you done for, in a leadership position to you know to keep your staff encouraged? Those people that are on the front line every single day, those people that are um, going above and beyond on what you call yeah. that effort zone to you know to give us their all. And I know when we're sitting there watching it on TV and just seeing you know we, you know my heart goes out for them, just knowing that they're day in and day out um, just battling and exposing themselves to potentially something that could be you know dangerous to them and, and having to look at their own families through a sheet of glass or something so you know what have you guys done from the leadership so a couple of things I, I would say first communication 
Um, we, you know, we're 25,000 employees. Um, our team members over the past eight, 18 months wanted to know kind of what what are some key topics, key updates as we navigate, you know, navigated this pandemic. So um, we, we created state of the state calls where our team members, um, you know, are get, given updates. And sometimes in leadership, you need to get in front of your team and tell them, here's what we know, here's what we don't know, but here's what we're trying to figure out. So that authentic transparency really comes in as a, a major positive as you, you know, are communicating to your team. Understanding, you know, you think of a pit crew mentality, understanding your platform and where you serve to. So, you know, we have our caregivers on the front line. We have our, you know, support team members. When you look at Wellstar as physicians, caregivers, and team members, I fall in that team member category. So what is my role to support those team members um, in this moment? That's always very helpful too. Back to kind of really my ground story, that empowering moment of, okay, when am I called? And I say pit crew mentality because you know the person changing the right side tire, trust the person changing the left side front tire. And so building that trust to know your lane, know that you have a job to do and that there's a mission um, that we have to continuously um, you know, work towards. Also back to the, you know, really the community partnerships too, uh, working with everyone, um, you know, ensuring that we're all meeting our mission as we care for all of our community members and the, and the communities we serve. I would say those were the major roles. What I've done personally is just checking in on people. You know, it's not, I'm a very, I have a very simple approach to, to caring about people, but maybe it's that phone call. How are you doing? What is it like where you're at? Um, not with an agenda, but just checking in. And so in times of adversity, sometimes that feels good that somebody just says, hey, I see you. Um, I just want to check in to make sure you're okay. Back to creating that safe space of just, I'm here to talk to you. That's been, a, I say, a huge factor for us. So I've loved it from the leadership development side because it's, it's created more of a simplistic, caring approach of what really as human beings, I think we all crave is someone checking in someone cares about me as a person and that's been highlighted even more during the pandemic you know when you when you think back and like you're talking about you, your organization is so large you guys do so many good things and it's time consuming i know it wears you out and you know i can think back i went through something last february and you're one of the first persons i called and asked hey what what do you think about this what do you yeah. and you always told me adversity is a gift so i i can't thank you enough for all you've done for me but when you think about yourself and your family, how do you turn it off? How do you say, all right, self-care is very, very vital for me. And uh, I'm sure your phone goes off constantly. I've seen mm -hmm. it, you know, 630 in the morning in our, uh, in our Bible study go off, you know, and how do you turn it off? How do you, what tools do you use? You have to be intentional. I mean, I'll do one thing that I always, you know, wake up every morning I have a seven-year-old son. Today's August 30th. This will be the only August 30th that my son's seven years old. And so I have one shot today to make memories with him that he may think of when I'm no longer here. So I get very intentional that when I am with my family that I know how to turn it off or turn it down maybe, you know. Um, and so I would that that's number one is really just being intentional. Also continue to learn about myself during this, you know, being in that mindset where we're always learning, growing, changing. So um, 
that drive into work, you know, whatever audio book I'm reading or podcast that I'm listening to and challenging, how am I growing during this? If adversity is a gift for growth and development, um, it's only a gift if you take advantage of it. So what am I learning about myself during this? How have I changed? Um, that, that's been a, you know, I would say a huge factor for my own growth, but just being intentional and understanding um, that when you're home, those permanent titles, you know, are, are very important. And I try to wake up every day with the same aggressiveness to be successful in my permanent titles as I am my professional title. So I want to wake up and today I want to be the best husband I can. I want to be the best father I can. Am I perfect at that? Absolutely not. But waking up with that kind of same energy level, um, it really makes a difference on how you, you know, how you're able to separate things and, Make sure you know you're taking care of yourself. You can't take care of others if you don't take care of yourself. And that's a you know when you look at leadership resiliency or, or burnout, you have to make sure you're taking care of yourself. So knowing when you need to take a break, when you're home, weekends, whatever that may be, that you're being intentional for whoever is important in your life. And the second part of that, which obviously you mentioned, you know, in, in the healthcare business, I mean, you guys are. Uh, like Waffle House, y'all are 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and so I can't imagine Ryan and I talk all the time about just being high school athletic directors and yeah. feeling like, you know, our cup runs over a lot too, just, you know, with things that are going on on weekends and coaches calling us at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night um, and trying to spend that important time with our families. And, and I just, I can't imagine you've, you know, answered all of our questions brilliantly, but just, being able to turn that off or turn it down, so to speak, uh, in a in a profession that you're in, because it's just 20, so long. So, you know, what fills your cup? I mean, what um, what person routine you talked about listening to podcasts mm-hmm. in the morning um, to keep yourself motivated and positive? Well, I, you know, my number one, my faith. I mean, it you know it it drives a lot of you know how I present myself, what I believe. Um, and, you know, the questions raised, can an environment or a situation change who you are as a person? And so you got to ask yourself that. Does this environment change who I am? And the, and the answer should be no. Um, and so that really fills my cup is do I present and, and do I follow the same principles and values that I would pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, or 10 years from now? And the answer, you know, for me is yes. And so um, just staying true to, you know, what I believe in, who I am, what, you know, Wellstar set forth as our values that we all strive towards, um, you know, has really has really filled my cup where it keeps me grounded. I think one of the biggest compliments a leader can have during times of adversity is like, well, you know, you're still kind of the same person, you know, and that that's important. And that has to come across as genuine that, you know, yes, I am, you know, that that working towards that every day and catching if you feel like the stress level is going up or, you feel like it's becoming unbearable. That's when you take care of yourself and kind of step away. I love reading. Um, I'm always reading, you know, whether it's leadership books or, you know, self-help books. Um, also serving as an adjunct professor at Liberty, you know, fills my cup too to teach um, undergrad students and change management, HR management, organizational behavior. But what fills my cup more than anything is spending time with my wife and son. Um, that is that's my hobby in life is, is spending time with them and 
that's probably the most important. That is the most important thing that fills my cup. Well, I'm a little bit offended. I thought you were going to say spend time with me and our Bible study group. And, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. But I'll, we'll get over that's it. That's once a we'll, month. We'll get, fills that's my once cup. a month. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get over it, man. So that, that is such a – I love what you said about permanent titles and how that – I think about that all the time. I'm always going to – I'm going to be a dad, a husband, you know, Christian. All those things are going to stay – Somebody else is going to be the athletic director. Well, I took that from Mike Lynch. I got to give Mike Lynch <laughs> credit yeah, on that. That was absolutely. a sermon that I told Mike that I yep. used so many times because that really impacted me. Absolutely. And Mike also mentioned, too, about waking up with that same. And I think it was actually a lunch with a leader with Mike about waking up with that same aggressiveness that, you know, because a lot of us look at it professionally. Like, I'm going to be the best at my, you know, whether I'm a coach, whether I'm chief of staff, but I wow, think of the impact we can make on our families if you wake up with that on your permanent titles and you push yourself and you're looking at yourself in different lights because sometimes it's easy to say because the job puts the food on the table, I have to be more aggressive than that. Um, it, it really opened my eyes to, uh, you know, it's just sort of a different way to look at those things and how it impacts your your, your family life. I think it's too, it's important. Like, you you know, the, the things that you think about saying sometimes you don't say or you don't send or, they make a big difference. I know I was texting Andy this weekend, yeah. and he was like, Dude, what are you doing? It's Sunday. Quit quit <laughs> yeah. working. Quit thinking about yeah. stuff. That makes a huge difference when you have people like you guys who are who are good yeah. people and you hold others accountable. Yeah, well, and I'll say, too, you know, in the HR world, work-life balance is, a, you know, a, a popular topic. It has been for years. You know, I like to say kind of really work-life harmonization because it all kind of harmonizes. But at the end of the day, it's up to us of when we set those boundaries and, you know, what we protect and so on. And so, you know, whether it's that late night text, you're choosing to reply back to that. You're choosing. But as leaders, we also have to realize the impact it has when we text our team members that are beneath us is that, you know, there may be pressure that, okay, I have to answer and respond. And that's where, as we saw the world of COVID and people working from home, the lines were blurred of when does work start and when does it stop, especially for, you know, team members that fully went virtual. Because there's something to be said of waking up and getting your coffee and driving in. Those are clear reminders that I'm about to go to work or I walk out of the office and get in the car and call my wife. And those are clear reminders. So, you had to be careful in the virtual world of sometimes they were more stressed than maybe people going into work because you, those boundaries were, they were blurred. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, you know, one example for me is uh, my son is like we discussed earlier, is playing football here at North Paulding and um, you know, and I'm a East Paulding writer, love everything about it and love those kids. And it, it rips my heart out, not being uh, Friday nights watching them play, but uh, the first scrimmage that you know, I have an awesome principal that I work for. And he said, look, your family's important when yeah. you need to go watch your kid play. And so I feel like I'm walking out on my job, but that first game and the game gets over and my yeah. son walks up and he says, dad, you made it, yeah. you know, just made it, you know, it all worth it. I mean, it made it like, Hey, this is my purpose. This is what I need to yeah. be here. And, and it really resonated talking about permanent titles. And that's exactly what care about me as a person, right. operational empathy. Right. What is it like for Andy not to, see his son's game that that's the magic if you can stop in the busyness and craziness to say 
I'm going to make a recommendation or a decision based on what does it feel like to be an Indian. That's a great testimony and a great example yeah, um, of what we're talking exactly about. What I was going to say, like, yeah. he's probably, you're probably in a, in one way beating yourself up. Like, I wish I was, you know, I wish I were, but I'm not here. But I'm looking at you with my with my two young kids. Like, yeah. I'm going to do that one day. Like, exactly. And if I don't have a boss who supports that, I don't need to be in that environment. Yeah. And uh, same thing for, for me. My, my principal let me go watch Bryce play baseball and come back to a yeah. football game. Those are you know, I think so many times we get wrapped up with, you know, and Andrew, you do such a good job with this. You know, you're always, when you're at work, you're home, but you're very clear with when you're home, you're home. Yeah. You know, I know you have stuff you have to take care of over there, but um, we just never know who we're impacting by yeah. doing those things. And that's a great point, Ryan. I mean, your, your actions may impact someone you'll never meet. You know, Ryan, that's a powerful testimony you share in that of what you saw and what Andy did that may impact you at Bryce. You know, eight years down the road. So, yeah, we don't know who's watching. And, you know, good or bad, somebody, you're, you're sending a message. And so it's important that you're sending the right message um, in your actions and what you do. And, Andy, even that, what that says to your team, you know, um, because, you know, when you look at leadership, it's a burden. You know, it's not always the positive. There's a burden to leadership that, you know, you are being empathetic and those you care for. So that's a great great example so andrew final question my yep. favorite question what is a win for you when you get done with the day what what makes your job and what makes your job worth it oh there's so many um you know I, i'm a uh i'm a definitely a filler so if you're you know look at myers briggs or anything so i you know i i love the emotional connections whether it's work so you know, I would say, you know, a win would be very simple things, you know, talking to that, maybe that team member about, you know, that how to create more boundaries to create more work-life balance. Um, you know, that team member that didn't have the courage to be vulnerable enough to apply for that promotion, but they did. Um, the team member that reminded me myself, you know, pursuing that degree and saying, okay, I'm going to do the hardest thing and actually apply. Those types of conversations is what fuels me um, each and every day. Um, I, our corporate office, I'm always walking around having conversations, checking in with people. Um, and then also, I think our job as leaders, if to not look at someone for who they are, but who they can be. And then we, you know, sometimes we just 